0: on being a Christian without being Christ-like. And I mentioned that in my message this morning. It's a continuation from our message this morning. So I'd like you to take your Bibles if you would. I'm sorry, I said Book of Acts. Actually, we're going to read Romans to start with. So Romans 12. Uh, This is a scripture that most of you can quote. Romans 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Now, without peeping in your Bible, do we have anyone here that would like to quote it? All right. Okay. Over here. All right. Sister Armenti, more. And verse 2. All right. Somebody wants to try verse 2. she's being coached on there a little bit now you did better without your coach yes I was going to say you did better without your coach all right now I I beseech you therefore brother you can now you check me out on this I I'm going to try to say it without it now if I mess up a little bit all right I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, how did I do it okay? All right, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord before we're seated. Praise God. Jesus, we love you, God. We worship you,
1: Praise God. You.
0: Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not quite. I can't can't pull it up. No, I can't. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, the Lord is great. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you may be seated. And I'll tell you, I I would like to have uh, stood behind the pulpit tonight. I did this morning. And when I finished, I was in a lot of pain. But I do appreciate your uh, your understanding. You folks are so very kind. And oh by the way, I want to congratulate our our girls' volleyball team. The big win last Friday night. In fact, they were they were so happy that that, that Carrie gave me a hug. Can you believe that? Notice how red her face is now? <laughs> I kinda of asked her for it, and before I had a chance to say that's all right, she hugged me. But uh, I'll tell you, we just had a great time. And the boys' uh, basketball team did great. You really did good, I'll tell you. You did great. Now, they lost by, I don't know, what, 15 or 20 points. But don't feel bad because sometimes the Bucks lose by more than that. All right? <laughs> and they're a professional team. But you did a great job. I mean a real good job. We just had a great time. Now, the prayer meeting tomorrow night will be at 7 o'clock. This prayer meeting is going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do, we're going to come, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to just seek God, seek after God. Now, I'm hoping that this message tonight will give you some information as to why I feel that this is necessary. But uh, basically, you know, what, what we do, we put a lot of emphasis on corporate prayer. And that's really great. You know, to meet in the prayer room, like our four o'clock prayer band. I went in there. They were taking those prayer requests. They were laying hands on each other. They were praying. It's so great and so wonderful. Then to be able to go and find your own little corner in which you seek God, that is great. But uh, prayer is, is really a in a very broad sense. It You know, as you communicate with God, it, it is so necessary that... That, that we not only channel our and focus our attention in one direction but in in many different areas, and basically what we're going to be doing, we're going to be searching our own souls, seeking the face of God. Uh, we probably will end up with corporate prayer that is taking prayer requests, but the most uh, but most of our emphasis tomorrow night will be on uh, you or that is each individual. Uh, talking to God about uh, himself or herself. Now, brother and sister uh, Smith last Thursday night talked about prayer, and and they talked about uh, you know how important prayer was. I I really did appreciate so very much uh, them talking about prayer, and I asked them to do this because I knew what I would be talking about this weekend. and, of course the prayer meeting. Uh, sister Smith made mention of going in. To her bedroom and praying and praying in tongues and seeking the Lord. I'm going to be talking about some of that tonight because I think that this is so very necessary. Now, I, I read the text. Uh, the Bible talks about being transformed. The word transform also means to change. Just like convert. This morning I talked about convertible religion though. The word convert, uh, I say convertible rather, comes from convert And uh, you know what a a convertible is as far as automobiles go. That's the type of automobile that you can put the top up or down. And some people are that way with their religion. They can convert over, back and forth. And I think that uh, Romans 12, verse 2, particularly speaks of this. It says, and be not conformed to this world. Actually, when you are conformed, that means that you are changed. But it means that you revert back. You're changed back to what you originally were. Uh, a good example of this would be the leaves that fall from the trees. They fall to the ground. They conform back. Now we say back. Did leaves come from the ground? I suppose they, they come from the ground. That's that's the only source of food that the, the, the giant oak has is, is the soil. So it returns back to the soil. Death itself is, is confirming back. Or conforming rather back to, to uh, the original source. From dust we came, to dust we shall go. That's what the Bible teaches us. But the word transform also means to change. So we're dealing with uh, several words about change. But the the amazing thing that I've found that is that that you know everybody that's talking about heaven ain't a going there, as, as the old spiritual said. It just it's not every man that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter therein. That's what Jesus said. So that simply means that a lot of people carrying the banner of Christianity uh, will not make it. Now, I don't want to be negative in this message. And, of course, the message this morning was not my intention to be negative. But to, to throw in a few statements that perhaps would jar, shake someone out of a rut... You know, rut is just a grave with both ends kicked out. It's it, it's kind of like a railroad track. You know, a lot of Christians run on the railroad track, and by that I mean it's a predetermined course. They won't, they can't deviate off. They want, they won't allow themselves. They can't be led with the Spirit because they're locked in on the track of selfishness, and they cannot follow the leading of the Spirit because their path is predetermined. It's predetermined because. They give in to themselves. And that's just the way that it is. So I don't think that. uh, Now I'm speaking to the church tonight. Please understand that I am speaking to people that I highly trust. I'm speaking to people that that I love. I'm speaking to people that I value their opinions. I, I speak to people that I care for. People that I pastor. People that I think are fine people. People that I think that are. That are on their road to heaven, but I would say this: that if a person prays only enough to go to heaven, he may not make it. You in, in know, if, if that's your primary concern. Uh, and, and yet, there's such a thing as, I guess, as being saved, but but not caring enough to see that anybody else is saved. I I do believe, uh, just as I believe that there are degrees of punishment in hell. I also believe that there are special rewards given to certain people who make it into the holy city. I think I can prove that scripturally. haven't taught on that in a long time. Maybe that would be a good subject to look into. Uh, I remember when I was in Bible school, and, and, and you talk about times being rough. Oh, my. They they were so rough. And then then uh, Sister Grant found out she was going to have another child. We had two children already. And uh, just Sister Grant was just... Uh, uh, she weighed about 85 pounds. She's gained a lot of weight since since then. I promised I promised now that I wouldn't pick on her in 1996 so uh, and that was not a I'm bragging on her you know she I mean she looks nice now, you know she really does look nice and in fact i'm I'm working trying to slim down a little bit. you know to th- this year we have brother Billy Cole and brother Jack Cunningham and I could just see John Bridges, Billy Cole, Jack Cunningham. John Putnam and John Grant sitting on the platform. I said, you know what we need to do? I need to get some t-shirts printed up. And on the front, I think I'm going to put this message. We overcame anorexia. (laughs) We're overcomers, you know. Well, you know, this is the day in which we have t-shirt religion. I want to talk about that for a minute. By that I mean a whole lot of people are willing. You know, it's bumper sticker and T-shirt religion. They put this on the. You know, there was a guy driving down the freeway and he had a bumper sticker. That said, "Honk if you love Jesus," and I honked. <laughs> he gave me an obscene sign and then shook his fist at me. I thought he's either driving a barred car or he forgot about his bumper sticker. <laughs> Boy, I just smiling. I love Jesus. He, <laughs> and he went, you like what did I, I oh I'm just trying to share the Lord you know I thought, but you see a lot of that don't you you know and by, by that I mean you can advertise it because t- today you know I see a lot of t-shirts and I, I some of them you can't read the message some of you can I, I even ask people what does this mean they say I don't know now I'm always real skeptical about wearing something I don't know what it says you know Every now and then I get a tie that's got a signature on it, and I got one had a signature on it, and I was wearing it. And then, would you believe, I stopped in at a clinic someplace, and I saw a fashion magazine, I picked it up. And and I couldn't believe the guy that designed the tie, he looked a little bit, you know. So I asked somebody, and they said, oh, you know, he loves men. So. <clears throat> So I pulled the tie off. You know, yeah, I thought, I don't think I want to endorse anything. And I don't want to wear anything with his initials on it. <laughs> so I think we, you know, but going back to the original statement about T-shirts, this is, you know, people put T-shirts on. They talk about I'll fly away and on all this. And Brother Hollis, you know, had the, the caps and everything. You may say, you think there's anything wrong with it? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I'm saying this. I don't think the t-shirt has any bearing on what's inside the t-shirt. Because this is the day in which t-shirts are popular. You can put all kinds of bumper stickers. But please, if you put a bumper sticker on, make sure that you remember it's there. And make sure that you always smile. You know, just, I mean, really smile. If you have a bad day, what you need to do, you need to go someplace to an artist and let them, let them fix you up a little mask that's got a smile on you. You need to wear that, you know, on your way to work. So when you're running behind time and you didn't have time to pray, put on that smiley mask and go out. when you're going down the freeway, everybody say, I wonder what he's so happy about. At least others will feel good over your bumper sticker if you don't. So... You know, th- this is just something that, that is extremely important for for us to understand, that you, you can never go by what's on the outside label. So in Bible school, we were just very, very poor, and Sister Grant was sick, and and she couldn't hardly fix meals and everything. So I thought, well, I know what's going to happen here. I'm a good cook, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a you know, I, I like to, I really like to cook. You know, I like to eat too, but but I really like to cook. Now, I had to, I had this awesome responsibility of buying groceries, so I go around the corner to to uh, uh, a store there in in Houston, and this store was was run by uh, Mexican people. that had Spanish language and a lot of the a lot of the canned uh, goods. I I had no. I, I took two years Spanish. I thought when I went to Bible school I can talk uh, to to the Mexican people, but I could not. They talk so fast. You know, the Lord always puts me among fast talking people. And that's something, I moved to Wisconsin. Did you know what? When I first moved here, seriously, I thought some of you were not speaking English. My brain doesn't turn over that fast. You know, really. You know? Sister Grant's got this little thing coming up, doing like this. I said, she said, what is this? And I said, well, I don't have any idea. She said, it's a brain sucker starving to death. So I took my little chubby hand. Somebody just said the other day, I had the chubbiest hand. I took my little chubby hand, and I went up to the other day. Now, you like this? And she said, what is that? I said, it's a brain sucker that's overeaten. (laughs) I don't know if this is going to be a good night for me or not. You know... In the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible tells us in verse 26 that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, the amazing thing about this is that Christians did not label themselves as Christians. It was other people. Other people looked at them. And they had heard of Jesus. Now, you have to understand that Jesus was heard of not just in Jerusalem, but in the surrounding areas. Maybe not worldwide, naturally, but people knew about him, and they knew about his lifestyle, they knew about his prophecy, they knew about his ministry, the healing of sick and such. There were people from all over the world that visited Jerusalem, and and Israel, as as it's also true today. Uh, but at any any rate, at any rate, Antioch, Antioch was the place in which they were first labeled as Christians. In other words, the word Christian means to be like Christ or Christ-like. So here we have people that are acting like Christians. Nobody had to come up and ask them, are you a Christian? You know, they just said these people are acting like Christians. In other words, what was it that caused the people to think of them as being associated with Jesus? Now, the apostles were placed in prison. They were beaten. That's after the Lord had ascended. And later on, the statement was made by those in the hierarchy and such. The Bible says that they took note that they had been with Jesus. The truth of the matter is, they hadn't been with Jesus for a while. But there, there, it seems like the people who were in the presence of the Lord, when they immediately left his presence, they were changed. And this is what happens when people go in the presence of the Lord today. They change. The problem with a lot of people is it's not lasting. Now, you may say, well, what is the secret? It never is lasting. It never is. There is no such thing as going in the presence of Jesus, walking away, and that is a lasting experience. There's no such thing. It's not taught in the Scripture. That's the reason why you have to go back all the time. That's the reason why you have to stay with him all the time. Because there is no such thing as a lasting Christian experience. Now I believe in, in the doctrine of eternal security in this wise. That I am secure as long as I stay in the presence of God doing God's will. But I cannot walk away from God. Totally ignore God. Ignore the principles of the scripture. And feel that I am secure in God. There is no such thing as that. So the only way that my experience with the Lord will last. Is if I last with God. In other words if I stay with God. But as Jesus said. You cannot hold hands with God and mammon. Now obviously. He said, no man can serve two masters, but you will hold hands with one or the other. Isn't it strange? that He, he never talks about that neutral ground, whether you're neither a Christian or a non-Christian. doesn't talk about that, does he? You know? And there's no such thing taught in the Bible as heaven and hell and purgatory, by the way. You know? Limbo. Limbo. You know, you've heard of this. You may say, oh, pastor, I, I, I happen to belong to a church that believes in all this. Well, just go to whoever you need to go to and ask them. Now, where did you find the scripture purgatory? What about this limbo stuff? Now, I know of a lot of people that are in limbo now but about a lot of things. But if you're in limbo now about your Jesus, you're not going to be in limbo when you die. It's just that way. I mean, it's just that way. And the thing that we need to understand is that it really doesn't make any difference what kind of a label that you put on yourself. It's what's in the container. So I go down to this Mexican store. And some of the, some of the vegetables and such is Spanish. Well, I thought I knew Spanish. I couldn't talk to anybody. And I picked this up. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, all of the labels didn't have pictures, and so. But but I did notice this that they they had a lot of what they call warehouse specials. I could I didn't read the the sign because I I, I didn't remember in Spanish class what the word warehouse was. See, so I, I looked at this for a long time. Now go back, and I tried to talk to this man and. I I couldn't talk with him, but see I had this idea. See what what was happening? You could buy twenty cans of vegetables for a dollar. Now keep in mind, now I went by I went to Bible school way back there. I mean I was I went to Bible school when Brother Manley was (laughs) fifty. Now, you may laugh at that, but that's really when I went. Brother Manley was 50.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so all these mistakes that Brother Manley is making, Brother Keith Manley, just ignore him. He will get the experience uh, later on, and, and and that won't happen. So we, we'll we we'll, we'll just overlook it then. ha <laughs> I'm just saying this in fun, you know. We really love both Brother Manless, don't we? Yes, we do. Praise God. Now, written in Spanish on some of these cans was this word. That, (laughs) this phrase, I I had someone to translate it. It said that these came directly from the factory warehouse. And the label on the outside did not necessarily (laughs) represent what's on the inside. So, you know, you go home, you think, I've got corn and I've got peas and I've got string beans, and you go down the line and uh, that's what you think. And you open this one, it's fruit cocktail. Well, I like fruit cocktail, but I like fruit cocktail with something else. So open another one. I can tell by the pictures, you know. Open another one, is fruit cocktail. Open another one, is fruit cocktail. <laughs> <Man. clears throat> I don't know what fruit cocktail is in Spanish. Maybe somebody here can tell me. But but I do know this. That, you know, it, I mean, if you go in and you buy a fruit cocktail and you open it up and it's string beans, you know I mean? You are disappointed. Well, the first one of these I opened up, oh, it's fruit cocktail. Great. So we eat fruit cocktail. <clears throat> After a while, the boys say, wow, this forgot <laughs> Well, <laughs> now I'm saying all that to say this that, <laughs> you know, it's pretty much this way today. And it's not that you go around with a judgmental attitude toward other people. That's not the point of this. The point of this message is for you to understand how very important it is for you who claim to be Christian to be Christian all the way from your skin. To your heart, you know that it's very important because it is most confusing to people who are not Christian and claim not to be Christian when they see people that they know apparently are very hypocritical. They were called Christians in Antioch because they loved, because they cared because they had compassion, because they were full of mercy, because they, they, they had the attitude of Jesus. They were like Jesus. Same label, same content. What you saw on the outside was what they were inwardly. And you've heard me make this statement. You should never be able to separate character from conduct. What you are determines what you do. Character cannot be separated from conduct. Now, what I want to do is tomorrow night in, in our prayer meeting at 7 o'clock we will begin. I want to be seated behind this table. And as we begin, I probably won't say anything. So we'll just start seeking the Lord. Just seeking God. And we will seek God, and we will seek God, and we will seek God, and we will seek God. Now, the first thing that I want you to do, and this is where it all starts. Take your Bibles with me right now, and let's turn to Philippians 2, verse 1 through 8. Philippians 2, verse 1 through 8. Now, Philippians 2, verse 1. if. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every one to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want you to do tomorrow night, I want you to pray that God would reveal to you His particular way of thinking. In other words, let me think like you think, Lord. You know, a lot of us would be a lot better off if when we get in these little dilemmas that we get into sometimes, if we just try to think like Jesus thinks. And you know, one of the best ways to do that is to say, Now, if Jesus had a conflict like this, I wonder what would he do. You know? Someone in the church just the other day came in and told me something, and how they worked it out, I said, I think you did a great job. And and the greatest compliment that I've heard in a long time, this is what happened. The individual said, do you know what I did, Brother Grant? I got to thinking, I wonder what Brother Grant would do in this case. Well, naturally, you only follow me as I follow Christ. But I thought that was just a, a great compliment. But I don't think you can give Jesus a greater compliment than to do what you think Jesus would do. To act like Jesus would act. And you can't do that unless you think like God thinks. So let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Now here is a little secret as to how this should start. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Now. If we are to esteem our brother. Higher than ourselves. If we are to do nothing through strife or vain glory. If we are to do things through humility. And lowliness of mind. How do we start? We start. By simply having an attitude of a servant. One who serves. By that I mean one who Gives himself to someone else. I mean, isn't this very important? Did you know that this would squash out gossip completely? Put all the gossipers out of business. Someone just the other day was sharing something with me. Let me just, let me point out something to you that I think is extremely important. If someone calls you and starts sharing something with you, a bad report. Here's the first thing you do about a bad report. The number one thing, you stop them while they're talking and, and and you ask them this question. Why are you telling me? That's question number one. What's the purpose for telling me? All right. Number two, you ask, am I a part of this problem or a part of the solution? In other words, can I help? And number three, if they say no to the first two, ask them, then are you willing to go with me to this person? Like the Bible says, to make sure that this report is cleared up. Now you think about what I'm saying. Number one, why are you telling me? You know, obviously there are just some things that's not your business. Isn't that right? And why even clutter your mind up with some things? So why are you telling me? Number two, am I a part of the problem or a part of the solution? Number three, are you willing to go with me to this person to clear it up? Now, if there's non-compliance to this, don't let them dump that garbage on you, because the. Co- the intent is evil. It is not righteous. It takes guts to be a Christian. If thy brother trespass against thee, go to him. Isn't that right? If I bring thy gift to the altar and you think your brother has all against you, guess what you do? You go to him. The buck always starts stops with you rather. Now what, we, what we're going to do when we come tomorrow night. The first thing. And I, I will probably call your attention to some of these things we're going to be praying about. Let's pray that the mind of Christ be in us. In other words, we want the power of God to move through us. We want signs and wonders and miracles. We want our city to be turned upside down. It will start with us thinking like God thinks. Give us a Holy Ghost move. Doesn't this scripture say, be transformed by the renewing of your minds? That's where it starts. In other words, let God get down inside of the mind and let God stir it up. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, when my children were growing up, we got into this aquarium kick. Man, we had fish and fish and fish and some fish make more fish. And we had fish that made more fish, and some of those made more fish. And after a while, we have one aquarium, two aquariums, three aquariums, four aquariums. The only problem is there's maintenance involved. Oh, several of the teachers came to Christian school and said, can we get an aquarium? I said, oh, God, I wish you hadn't have asked. Please don't get an aquarium. Why? Because 90% of all the aquariums I see are dirty. Filthy. Can you believe that? Oh, not an aquarium. Please don't get an aquarium. How many of you have aquarium? Oh No, 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 no. For the sake of the poor fish, would you please clean it out? But I'm telling you, sometimes it just looks all clear and everything, and you have a little problem, and you reach down there with your net, and you stir it up, and I'm telling you. So, wow. You know what you need to visualize every now and then when you have bad thoughts, evil intentions and everything? You need to look at your mind like a dirty aquarium. You need to say, I'm going to have to take this net and clean this thing out. Man. Terrible. Start doing a little saying in there, picking up things, clearing that mind out. Let me tell you something. I don't want to think bad things about you. I don't, I don't want my heart and my mind cluttered up with things. Perhaps you made a mistake. Perhaps it's something I can help you with. That's a different thing altogether. But, you know, even this, as a pastor, that's for the reason why, that I need to follow the guidelines that I'm giving for you. I went home the other day, and I sat down. Sister Grant started just telling me something. I said, please don't tell me one more thing. She said, why? I said, because all I have done for weeks is solve problems. problem, problem. Problem. How, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? What if this student did this? What about this one's wearing that? What about this? Well, I don't know about that, Mike. Who tore that up? I said, and I just kept on going. I said, please don't. Not one more problem. Now, what does Pastor Grant do in a case like this? You know what I said? I want to be left alone. And the reason why I wanted to be left alone is because, truthfully, Listen, I'd get burned out real fast just solving problems. But there's a time in which I have to go in the presence of God. And I said, now, Lord, you know, I know some things about some of you folks that if I let it bother me, I could become very embittered against life. But, you know, you may know something about me. If you let it bother you, you might become embittered. How, how fair is life? It's not very fair. That's why you need the blood. That's why, you need, that's why you need that cleanse. And it starts in my mind. I have had people to come in and tell me some horrible, horrendous stories. And then they'd start to leave and I said, Brother Grant, you won't hold this against me, will you? I said, when you walk out of this door, you can rest assured of this one thing. That whenever I walk out of here and if you are not if you have not left this church and I shake your hand, I'll smile at you and shake your hand as if you never talked to me in your office. And every time you come to this church and you walk through the front doors, I'm gonna try my best to greet you with love and with tender care and kindness. And I promise that I won't pick on you with my preaching. Now I'm not gonna exclude you, but I'm not gonna go after you exclusively. And I've tried my best to live by that. Why? Because if I'm ever caught in a fault, I hope that you... Well, naturally, I have been caught in faults, but you know what I'm talking about. I hope that you have enough God in you that when you hear it, you'll be able, if I'm if I'm repentant over it, you'll be able to forgive. Who am I just for clean without the blood? How many people can rightly go to the throne of grace someday in the holy city and run up and snatch your crown out of the hands of Jesus and say, give it to me, I deserve it. No, my friend, we will all cast our crowns at His feet and humbly bow before Him and declare ourselves unworthy. Unworthy! But it all starts in the mind. Listen to this, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Do you know Jesus has also given me a name that's above every name? And the same name that Jesus has, has been given to me. I wear the same name that every man is going to bend their knee to one of these days. But it doesn't give me license to be arrogant. It doesn't give me license to push my way through life. It doesn't give me license to grab my Bible and go out someplace on the street and thump my Bible in people's face and act unchristian. Calvary was never designed to give a man license to be nasty. If you want to If you want to boast, let it be in Calvary. But remember this, that Calvary is a symbol of death. All the way from the Garden of Gethsemane to the final cry that Jesus made upon the cross. Eli, Eli, lama I. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He made that cry because he took my place on the cross. He made that cry because he took your place on the cross. And when I pray for boldness, I'm not talking about being egotistical. I'm not talking about being arrogant so I can go out and show everybody how much scripture I have under my belt. I'm talking about boldness to go out with a weeping heart, praying and crying for a dying city that's lost without God. I'm no better than the sinner that walks the street, save the gift of the Holy Ghost that God put inside of me. I'm no better than the next man. I'm just a preacher that would be on his way to hell if God had not saved him. I want you to come to Baha'u'llah night ready to cleanse your mind and pray. Let the mind that was in God be at me. Now let me tell you something. You see, if we only involve ourselves in corporate prayer. and we, And this is not preceded. By a lot of seeking God. You know what happens to us? After a while, we're in there laying hands on each other and we're shaking our fists at the devil, and after a while, we're ready to go shake our fists at the people that we're praying for. But we become bold in the Spirit. Once we have humbled ourselves in the presence of God to see ourselves as we really are. Lost without God. Undone without God. Unclean without His blood. Unclean without His Spirit. We are nothing without Him. We are lost without Him. We need Him. Stir our minds, oh God. Let our thinking be like your thinking, Lord. Let our tongues confess the truth. There was no guile found in you, O Lord. And I know that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, Lord. Let my mind and let my heart be pure, O God. Let there flow nothing out of me but holiness. Let righteousness come out of me, O God. Let me interpret things in the right way, O oh God. Don't let me think, my brother, to be evil in his intentions. I cannot judge him. I'm not qualified to judge him. Why? Because I can't go in the crevices of his mind and determine why he says what he says and does what he does. Let me tell you something. Some of the people that you fight the hardest would lose the battle the quickest if you get your mind off of them and get your mind on Jesus Christ. The old statement: It takes two to tango. You know the reason why some of you are always fighting with someone else? Ah. No, I just went over this with someone and said, "Well, they run with the wrong crowd." You know, I hear this all the time. I hear parents: "My child runs with the wrong crowd. They got in with the wrong crowd." And you know, I understand why people say that. I understand the intent, and I. But the true, the, the essence of it is. That, you know, I've had parents to come in and say, my kid is with the wrong crowd. I've had some of the wrong crowd parents to come in and say, my kid's with the wrong crowd. And I said, oh, and they would name the person that had just spoken to me that their kid was the wrong crowd. I've come to this conclusion. You don't run with the wrong crowd. You make the wrong crowd. If you're involved with the wrong crowd, you're just as much a part of it as anybody else. Hmm. All right, somebody calls in a bad report. Let's clear it up. Let's get our minds off of it. Let's, be, let's have guts enough to go and clear it up. If we don't, keep our mouth shut. Mm. All right. <clears throat> now, Galatians 4.19. Here's a very, very important scripture. Galatians 4.19. Look at this. My little children of whom I travail in birth, birth again until Christ be Formed in you. Isn't that that something? That simply means that Jesus Christ must arise within me. I remember years ago, I used to go to my neighbor's house and watch TV. We didn't have a TV in our home, but they had this this show. I don't even remember the name of it. Maybe some of you could help me out here. But... uh, Well, people are getting very hesitant to help me out on things <clears throat> this is not a trick okay but they they you know they two or three people up here in a panel would ask them a question and they're trying to find out who the real john grant is and after all what's that to tell the truth all right to tell the truth all right i don't even know who them who the talk show or the host was of this but but I still remember this, and it was just, you know, boy, I'll tell you, you know. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, you know, I gave this morning a testimony about, about a man who received the Holy Ghost in 1957. I made statements that the fir- one of the first things he did, he went in, he, he, well, the first thing he did, he went in and poured all of his booze out, and then he, he he tore up all of his cards and everything, and then, of course, he went and unplugged his TV. Now, you've got to keep in mind, now, that was way back in, in 1957. That's when TV was really bad, you know. Not like it is today, you know. So, a <clears throat> little satire involved in that. But uh, <clears throat> at any rate, you know, people just nationally just sit there. You know, and all these questions. And then they say, would the real John Grant stand? And one of them would clear his throat and he'd oh! and oh. And then another one would move. And after a while, keep you guessing a while, the real John Grant would stand. And everybody,
1: ah.
0: Oh. Now, the Holy Ghost that comes to me is very pure. It's undefiled. The problem is that when it's filtered through all of me and then I am to speak on the behalf of God, sometimes it doesn't sound like God that comes out. We have a water filter in our house. Two of them, in fact. And We have a lot of iron in the water. If you don't uh, filter it out, after a while, your shirts are yellow. Everything else that's white that you wear is yellow. So we have that filter. It's a charcoal-type filter. The amazing thing is that, you know, when you first put it in and you start filtering it, it comes out black. Just, ugh, look at that. And every now and then, in the springtime, there will be a water main that's flushed around here, and the water in all the houses will be real ucky. They tell you it's, it's ucky water's coming through. Now, what happens with us? Quite often, it's necessary. you have to keep changing that filter but but can you feature can you feature something as pure as the holy ghost coming into a person and being emitted out from the person through human flesh that has not been properly disciplined You may say, you know, I've heard people say, God won't live in an unclean temple. You can't find scripture for that. Now, he will not inhabit originally an unclean temple. I can find scripture in that. I don't think the Holy Ghost just jumps out of me every time I do something wrong. You think the Holy Ghost jumps in and out of a person? You know, if I have a bad attitude... Oh, i got to pray. God's got to come back to me. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, maybe I say something that's not quite right and God's gone again. Then I repent and He jumps back. He's not jumping in and out like some jack-in-the-box. Jack you know, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, it's, it's not that way. Now, let me say this. God wants your vessel to be pure and clean does. I don't think he leaves you every time you do something wrong. Now, if every bad attitude that you have and such, if the Holy Ghost leaves you, there's a whole lot of people that don't have the Holy Ghost. you follow what I'm saying? I mean, haven't you prayed and talked in tongues and... Dance in the spirit, and later on the Lord talk to you about your attitude. Maybe maybe even something you've done wrong. You know, God is merciful. But in the purest sense of the word, God wants the vessel, the temple to be clean. And I really think, brothers and sisters, if all of us, and this is the only thing that will make us in one mind, put us in one mind and one accord. See, the one mind means we all think like him, one accord. It just simply means that what we do then, what has took, taken place in our minds is transferred then to the other parts of us so that we all do the same thing and act the same way. You may say, well, put it this way. One person said, if I become a Christian, will that mean I become a clone? What do you mean a clone? Like all other Christians? Hmm. it's quite a question, isn't it? But if I'm trying to make myself like him, and you're trying to make yourself like him, I wonder then why it's so much of a transgression if we be alike in a few things. It almost sounds like, you know, that we would kind of at least there would be a striking resemblance, wouldn't you think? Now, we all have our personalities, and we'll all have our personalities until we die. We're not talking about that. But we're just talking about everybody, regardless of what your personality is, that God arises within you with the true Jesus, the true master of your heart, please Rise. And when everybody says ah. I wonder how many people would really turn their time and their attention to the Lord. See Jesus said if I if I be lifted up. I will draw all men. Unto myself. But you see what happens is that. Quite often the old man is reformed in us. See, that's what he says when he says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again. I'm not talking about originally, but I've got to pray and travail in birth again, because somebody else has arisen. The old man, the one that was slain, boy, I tell you one thing I never did like. <clears throat> I never did like these scary old spooky movies. And I'm here to tell you, Sister Grant, as sweet as she is, she used to get on my nerves so bad when we watched those. Because all of a sudden somebody would come out of the sea that somebody had slain, or somebody come out of a grave. And and I had to back off from the mic in order to do this, but all of a sudden and she knew what was gonna happen. She knew that that guy's blood was all over the place and brain splattered every place, was going to all of a sudden appear out of the stream. And when he did, she'd go, "Ah!" just scare me to death. I said, there's nothing scary about this but you. She said, you jumped too. I said, yeah, because my, after a scream like that. Now, Sister Sabrina, last time I said something about Sister Grant, Sister Sabrina came to me Sabrina Evans, she said, you said you weren't... I was actually bragging on her. I mean, not right now, I mean. But I wasn't picking on her either. You know what I'm saying? She puts a lot of spice in our life. You know? The old man of sin. Now, it'll be either the old man of sin or it'll be Jesus that arises. One will be formed and you are the other. Now the new man that the Bible speaks of is guess who? Guess who the new man is? It's Christ that's formed in you. That's the new man. So basically when we become self-willed and we say no to Jesus, you know what we're really doing? It's like we're crucifying the Lord afresh. The Bible speaks of that, you know. It's like we run Him out of our life and say, No, 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 no. I don't want Christ to be formed in me. So the old man, the old man of sin. Listen to this about the old man of sin. Galatians 5, For the flesh lesseth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, uh, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And such like of which I tell you before and have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me talk to you about Jesus coming alive in you. The real character of God becomes alive in you, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lust if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, Jesus Christ must arise and be formed in me afresh. How often do I make sure that, that this process continues on a daily basis? I say on a daily basis. You see, the Apostle Paul, wasn't the Apostle Paul talking about the character of God when he talked about spiritual gifts? In 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the power gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, he puts regulations. But in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about the character of God. That simply means anybody who ever stands in any sanctuary to give a message in tongues ought to be a humble, meek, obedient person to God and to the Scripture and to his fellow man. He should love and be ready to edify. Now every now and then a person, you know, not really knowing the Scripture and because they want to put a little bit sometimes too much of themselves in, you get the idea that there's a little bit of a hatredness or a little bit of a, you know, aggression that's coming through. And automatically people who have been praying and seeking God, they may not say anything because they're kind, but they feel a little bit of a check in the Spirit that something's not quite right. If you want Jesus to use you and you want your brothers and sisters to really believe in the Christ that's inside of you, make sure that there is a hot line between your heart and your mouth and it's not filtered through a lot of dirty flesh and attitudes and such. Now, we're talking about Jesus tonight. We're talking about church services where people come in here and automatically feel convicted when we're singing. We're talking about church services when people come up to the parking lot and they feel the presence of the Holy Ghost when they drive in. We're talking about people who come in here and sit down and they feel something coming out of that prayer room. We're talking about people who stand up behind the pulpit, preach the word of the Lord, and they feel the power of the Holy Ghost. They want to go to heaven simply because that the word of God is branding its way red hot inside of their heart hearts. They feel the flames of hell even when the preacher's not talking about hell. And they feel the joy of the holy city even when he's not talking about heaven. It's amazing to me what God can do when preachers are just on fire. And this not only goes for the preacher, it goes for the song leaders, the praise singers, those that play the instruments. When people harmonize, praise God, all the way from the sound booth to the pulpit. And I'm not saying the sound booth man, Brother Moran's back there. I'm not saying that he's less important than me. I'm just pointing, he's at the back door. And I happen to be on the furthest end up here but from the greeter who greets when people come in, all the way to the, to the greeter who greets when they leave. Let them see Jesus Christ in us and feel Jesus Christ in us. And what we're going to be praying tomorrow night is, Give us your mind, Lord, and we want you also to be formed in us. We not only think like you think, but we act like you act. We do things like you do things, Lord. We really do care. Oh, hallelujah! If we walk in the Spirit, let us also walk. Uh, let us also walk in the Spirit, Galatians five twenty three. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. We claim to be Christian. Let's act like Christ. I'm not trying to scold anybody. I just really have felt this morning and, 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 and tonight, I, I felt this. We really do have, we really need a, a character seeking service where we, we you know, we, I'll be doing this tomorrow night. Open the Bible. Now, what we're going to do, we're just going to seek God for a while. Everybody on their own. Nobody's laying hands on anyone. Now, let me tell you, there are times in which you need to lay hands on people, but there are times in which you need to keep your paws off of people. When people are seeking God, and they're seeking, they're really seeking God. I mean, really seeking God. In other words, you just go ahead and, you know, just because really what you're doing when somebody's really seeking God, you going out and you put, oh, God, please help them, Lord. Please help them, Lord. Quite often what you're doing, you're admitting a self-righteous spirit to them. You may say, why? Well, you ought to be over there seeking God yourself. In other words, if you would humble yourself, you take the same attitude they have. I need God. Now, there are other times in which we see people who are, are in travail. Where, uh, when I say travail, maybe that's when, when, they, uh, when, when they just need this comfort. They, they've been carrying the cares of life and such. And, 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 you know, especially like a preacher going to the platform to preach and he's praying for the anointing. This is the time to lay hands on people. If you have someone that's sick and you're going to to, to minister to them, that's a the time to lay hands on people. When we have corporate prayer and we're gathering around people and praying for their needs, this is the time to lay hands on people. And ordinarily, in a service like tomorrow night, this is something you need to do on your own by yourself. But I feel led of God to do this with the whole congregation. And what we're going to be praying about, Lord, I want to be full of love because you were full of love. You were our perfect example. Form this in me, Lord. Let your love rise up in me, Lord. Put it in me, oh God. Put it in me, oh God. Put it in me, oh God. Well, I've got several other things that I want to talk about. I may have to just. And I'm not going to preach much tomorrow night. I'm not going to say much. Sometimes prayer meetings just end up to be preaching services. You know, you, when you. Talk more about what you ought to be doing than than doing what you ought to be doing. You follow what I'm saying? We're not going to do that. But there are some things that I will instruct you in. But listen to this. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much more than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic into his stature? You know, I've always thought I'd like to be about six foot four. But as much as I want to think it, it just doesn't happen. Why take your thoughts for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The bulk of the prayers of Pentecostals involve around personal needs. You know what happens when you start praying too much? I'm talking about too much. For your own personal needs? Your needs get bigger and greater. Anytime you start thinking about your own personal needs, they always get bigger and greater. Now, I have this, and I think I'm right in this. You should never seek God for those things. You simply ask God, and you put it in the hands of God. Because you, if you start praying about things, I've asked people, Are you pray- Oh, you can't believe how much i prayed for a husband <laughs> or a wife. You can't believe how much I prayed for another job. I said, would you please, just for discipline's sake, stop praying about those things. Ask God. Well, then what am I going to pray about? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But listen to this. But seek ye first... The The key is seek. What are you seeking after? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I don't know what your needs are tonight, but I think you're far better off to pray for the personal needs that you have that directly associate you with God And you need to pray more about those and all those other things put together. You see, I just don't know how in the world a person can make it and stay right in their spirit with all the things that you rub shoulders with if you don't spend a lot of time praying about these things. And I wholeheartedly concur with Brother and Sister Smith. There are times when I... I am so, my mind is so boggled about things. And I say, Lord, I tell you what I want to do, Lord. I want to just dismiss all of these things. I just want to go into your presence. I just want to, I just want, I, I need you, God. I really need you. I can't bear the burdens of all this on my shoulder. I need you, God. God with moanings and groanings which cannot be uttered, the Spirit may give intercession, for we know not how to pray. God of heaven, I need you. I need the power and the might of Almighty God. I need to think like Jesus thinks. I need to go where Jesus would go. I need to shun the things that He would shun. I need to like the things that He would like. I need to seek after the things that He sought after. It's not my will, O Lord, but Thine be done. It's not what my f- flesh is craving, O God. It's what thus saith the Lord. When I stand behind the pulpit, Lord, it makes no difference whether Pastor Grant is satisfied or not. Is there a Message that goes forth from the pulpit that meets the needs of a dying society that's lost without God is some Christian edified that's down in the dumps. There's somebody that needs to be healing. Find encouragement to believe God for that. Oh God, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your character in me. I need to give a smile like I believe my Jesus would give. I need to be victorious like I feel that he would be. Oh God, take away any selfishness from me. Take away anything from me that's not right. Take away anything from me that's not pure. Let me be godly through and prove. I don't want to be a Christian if I'm not like Christ. I don't even have the label if I can't be like Him. <laughs> but let me say this in closing. This is my last statement. Being like Christ is the only license that you have to wear the label of being Christian. Let's bow our heads. Brother McDonald and the praise singers are coming. He's going to be singing for us at this time. I want you to start reaching out to the Lord.
1: yourself. You need to seek your soul, says the Lord. You need to be like me, says the Lord. If you're not like me, how will you be able to walk like me? How will you be able to emit my presence around others? How will you be able to win souls if you do not become like me? I am the Lord
0: Oh my god.
1: soul-searching saith the Lord. Oh,
0: God. Let's sit all of us together. Let's just cry to God for a moment. Oh, God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I worship you, God. I worship you, you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Oh, God. I love you, Lord. I worship you, God. I praise you, God. Jesus. Jesus.
1: Jesus. Oh, God. Hallelujah.